Hello everyone and welcome back to Bristol Walkfest podcast. It's only a couple of weeks now until the festival begins and so later on in the show I thought it was high time I went behind the scenes to find out what's in store. Now this show is all about bringing you some of the flavour of the festival and the walks on offer and so we'll hear from the highly popular Bristol Stepping Sisters about their walking group and I get to meet a couple of the guide dogs in training down at the centre in Bedminster. But first I thought why not go out for an actual walk and after hearing about the Rambler's wellbeing walks in the last episode I was keen to try one out and so who better to link up with than the Greenway Walkers, who took me on a ramble around Southmead. So I'm Sarah, Sarah Tafari, and I'm a volunteer here with Southmead Development Trust. I'm a volunteer walk leader, so I, I sort of generally coordinate all our walking groups and our volunteers. So our walks, we have two on a Wednesday morning. So we've got a sort of short 30 minute walk for those that want that and come back early and up to about an hour, which is the main group. Today's a bit of a sort of slightly damp day. What will put people off today is slippery and muddy, but we'll probably stay on the paths. So at the moment in the winter, we're about 15 to 20. And as the weather improves after Easter into summer, that, that number goes up a bit. But that's, we've been up to like 25, 28. That's our maximum. We, we wouldn't want more than that. And who are you kind of aiming to encourage to come on the walks? Um, We're aiming to encourage people who need to get out of the house and want to come and join in, have a social walk. People who the doctors or the social prescribing team have sort of suggested or found out this might suit them. People who might not want to go on a walk and might not think they'd like it, but for whom walking would probably be very beneficial, and that's social and physical and mental health. And so we want to be appealing to those people that you can have a really nice time, we can have a nice short gentle walk, we like to enjoy what's outside, we have a good old chat together, we have a lovely cup of tea and some nosh when we're back at the cafe. Some people have got conditions like arthritis in the knees, lung conditions, you know, they, they can't go faster. That's completely understandable, but it's still really good just to be out moving around some people have got conditions like arthritis in the knees lung conditions you know they they can't go faster that's completely understandable but it's still really good just to be out moving around and of course we're cheap cheap how cheap well a walk like this is free (laughs) that is very cheap we're volunteers this is free and you can get a 50p cup of tea in the cafe the biggest benefit from coming on a group like this is reducing your social isolation, joining in with others, feeling that you belong, you've got somewhere, you know, comp- good company. That is the biggest health benefit. You can, you can hear the birds singing and we're under some blossom. We're I don't know what blossom. we're under, do you? Uh, I can look it up on my phone. It's usually cherry blossom, isn't it? But yeah, we're right by a tree, just coming out into blossom. I look, there's a daffodil over there poking its little cheery head up. So when you start to pay attention to these things, the fact that it's a bit grey and drizzly... You're in the is, right job, is, aren't you, uh, Sarah? Irrelevant. Yeah, I love doing this. And this totally suits me because I didn't want to sit at a desk in an office anymore. I spent years 
in an office and that's not good for my health so I do lots of walks in the week I walk all the way around I have a whole gang of mates to sort of hang out with I do all the different walks so I have a jolly nice time and I've improved my own health and my own strength and stamina and fitness so lots of regular gentle walking is what will improve your health not sort of a fast blast every now and again it's the regularity yes okay I come most weeks, yes. And what do you love about it? I love walking with the people and the fellowship and the friendship. And um, I love being out in the open. Yeah, it's good to get some fresh air, I guess. Yes, it's lovely to get some fresh air. And then we have a cup of tea afterwards in the cafe. And um, I really enjoy it. More and more people are gathering. There's about 20 people now, and a dog. Welcome, everybody. Sorry we haven't brought some good weather with us. I don't think we want to say too much because we want to get going, but we're going to keep over into the Doncaster Road Park today because it's really, really terribly wet in the wood. So we'll do that. We'll keep it fairly short as well, I think, so we can be back for a nice hot drink. Our thing for today really is wet. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll try and make the most of it. There's some nice puddles we could have a look at, maybe and some raindrops coming down. John's going to be leading us today. We're going to take it fairly slowly, so we're going to stay as one group. John, over to you to lead us. Oh, sorry. Sorry, John. Who have I got here? Anne and Barbara. That's yes. right. Yes, Anne and Barbara. How long have you been coming to this group? Uh, just over two years. And you come every week? Yes, I'm a volunteer walker. Yeah. Oh, I see. So you lead the walk sometimes? Yes, yes. We take it in turns and organise it amongst however many walkers, leaders we have. Oh, that's your vest, yeah. yeah. i got a vest. And what about you, Barbara? How I've long have been, you been? I've been walking for probably about a year. And I try and do it twice a week. I've always enjoyed walking. I've been walking for years, but it's so relaxed and it's a chance to meet you know new people from different circumstances whereas my other walk we were cancer survivors so this is different and you get to see your mates so you mentioned you're living with cancer how does this walking help that well it takes your mind off it you know and it just gives you time to just like reflect and enjoy the surroundings because you take so much for granted normally but you know since i've had the, you know the big c you appreciate more of the environment you know and it really is nice to get about and you sort of like relax a little bit more and take nature you know as the thing to to be out in and enjoy and make the most of life before it was rush, rush, rush. Who am I with now? My name's Louise. You're obviously a walk leader because you've, you've got a vest on. Yes, I have, yeah, yeah. And what does that mean? That means that sometimes I lead the walks, I do, and I my chat to new people when they come along as well, they, I do. I make them feel welcome. And are you local, Louise? Yes, I am. I live in Westbury Village, I do, behind the co-op car park. So what do you like about these walks? Oh, um, I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy um, talking to people as well. And I find that everyone's very friendly and very welcoming as well. 
So what would you say to somebody who was thinking about it but a bit worried? Well, if they were thinking about it, I tell them to come along and I tell them to try it out and I tell them that I'd look after them and I tell them that it's a very friendly group and I tell them that if they didn't want to do all the walk, they could just do half of it, depending on how they feel. I think you'd be very welcoming. I I feel welcomed. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah. My name's John. I'm I'm leading leading the walk today of the uh, Greenway Walkers. We're in a park at the moment and just walking around the pathway. It's very muddy and the grass is very wet, so we're we're keeping on to very dry dry areas, pathways only, wherever possible, because otherwise people get very muddy and wet and not not ideal at all. So don't want to put anyone off, do you? Indeed not. And uh, people at the, the walking was all very nice, very friendly, very affable. So anybody who was thinking of joining would, would be made most welcome. We have a gentleman just behind, just right behind me now who uh, joined the group about two or three weeks ago. Oh, who's that? Well, that's a gentleman called Randall. Well, I think I should speak to Randall. He's very affable. Are you the newest member of the group? Yeah. I'm not sure if I am the newest member, but um, I'm one of them. What brings you to walking? Well, my wife passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear um, Last year. And um, I more or less sit home and uh, I got a phone call from the surgery from Jenny. And she was talking to me and asked me, if I um, uh, know any groups, because I need to get out and sort of, you know, walk. She told me about the hospital one, and then Greenway. I love walking, because me and the missus, we used to walk. We used to walk, but then when she got ill, she couldn't walk anymore. So, you know, I just got to take her out in a wheelchair. But then to come back out, meet people, having the walk, you know, it helps me a bit, get my mind off, you know, sitting there and thinking about her and so on. Um, I know it's happened once I got back in the house, but, you know, that's, that's helpful. You get a little bit of relief from relief, it. Yes, and meeting people and talking to people, you know, and getting fresh air. It's quite nice. feel the, the temperatures warming up and there's a sort of fresh smell in the air and the birds are definitely giving it everything. <laughs> the birds are wide awake aren't they? Yeah it definitely shows that everything's waking up and springing into life again it's great. <laughs> oh, it's a bit worse isn't it? Stephen. Hello, I don't know Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you? I've heard all about him yeah. I've Is that you Stephen? Him, yeah. Okay so you're on this walk, why are you on this walk? I enjoy it. I enjoy going out with other people, you know, meeting other people. We started going when my wife retired and um, gives you something to look forward to. So if the walk stopped, would you really miss them? I would, yeah. Yeah, I would. I've got people like David here who I look forward to seeing, you know, this sort of thing. Let me say uh, hello to David then. All right, you say hello to David. Hello, David. Hiya. Why do you come, David? Uh, my counsellor said that I should. And also, uh, I suffered a stroke three years ago, so um, I'm trying to learn to walk again. Um, so it's quite a challenge? Yes. Is it easier to stay at home? Uh, it's easier, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's not good for my recovery. No, but I found a soulmate in Steve, and we, you know, we tend to we tend to walk together every every week, and you know, put the world to rights. Well, 
got members on this walk, you know, sort of live by themselves. And it's the only chance that they get out, you know, to sort of meet anyone. And obviously, with the pandemic, that must have been very, very lonely. It is quite drizzly, and we're all going back to the Greenway Centre, to the cafe. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. You say the right things. We do practice the five ways to wellbeing. So the five ways to wellbeing, it's a little bit like your five fruit and veg a day. So it's just being aware of that there are things you can do to help your own wellbeing. And clang, I think, as well. so it's connecting, which is what we're doing. So connecting with each other, but also connecting with the earth, with, our na- with what's around us, with living things. So that's why we're also looking and noticing the trees. So it's that connection, learning, which we're all doing together as we share tips and ideas and things that we see, uh, learning activity, physical activity, which was happening anyway. So that happens by coming to a walk, noticing, but just paying attention to right now, what's going on with us right now around us, which is why we notice the wet as well. If the wet's not bad, the wet is, do you know what I mean? Yes. And yes. we can appreciate and enjoy the wet by thinking about it and like what's it doing for us and, and actually we can see the raindrops. So noticing right now what's happening. And I think there's one more and I can never remember it. I think it's giving. Giving, which is what all the volunteers are doing. But also other people are giving their company, giving their ears and attention to each other. So it's all happening within the walk. And every now and again, we will talk about these things or remind ourselves of what they are. And if you're doing some of these things on a regular basis, you will be looking after your mental health and well-being. It's a beautiful thing you're doing here. Thank you so much. We're now going in for a cup of tea and maybe a cake. Let's go in. Oh, thanks so much to the Greenway Walkers for being so welcoming to me. Their walk is between 10 and 11am on Monday the 9th of May. Meet at Southmead Hospital allotments off the Monks Park Avenue entrance to the hospital. Now, it's time to meet the organiser herself, Jen Graham, and find out why walking festivals exist, why they're on the increase, and what exactly is planned for the Bristol Walk Fest. I think there are loads of different reasons to have a walking festival. Walking is such an accessible activity for everybody and we really want to promote all the benefits of walking through Bristol Walk Fest. It's such an easy form of exercise for people to get more active. It doesn't require any specialist equipment, it's low impact, it's fun, can be free to do and can be done anywhere. So we're hoping to get lots of different people involved in Bristol Walk Fest. It's really sociable as well and it can be a really nice way to meet new people and get to know new places. I've been on the project since January and we've been working really hard to get all the providers signed up for this year. But actually as soon as the festival ends at the end of May, the team start planning for the next event. So there's always evaluation to complete, always lots of work to do really to wrap up from the festival and then start planning the next one. We have over 200 walks and events this year so they're all taking place in May and there's a huge variety of walks and events. There really is something for everybody so we've got different distances, different difficulties, 
walks in the city, in the centre, walks further afield. There's so much variety. So our shortest walk is a 30-minute stroll around St George Park, and that's hosted by the St George Strollers. And at the other end of the scale, we've got a five-hour walk with the South Bristol Amblers, and the title of that one is Walk with Giants on Dundry Hill. So that should be a really, a really good day out. We have M Shed back this year with quite a few walks. They're doing their floating harbour walk, and that is an old favourite. So walkers will be led on a trip around the old docks, and they'll get to know all about the city's maritime heritage. We've also got Bristol United Walking Football Club. They're back again, and they host walking football on a couple of different days in different locations. It's for all abilities, and it's a really nice social activity aimed at older people. We have a walk this year by the Bristol Dementia Action Alliance. They're putting on a gentle harbourside stroll, which is wheelchair-friendly, and it's aimed at people living with dementia and their carers. But there's also a focus on learning some of the history of the area, so that's a really nice new one. We've split the walks into categories, so one of those is history and architecture, and we've got quite a range of walks in that category. The Bristol Civic Society are running a few of them. They're doing a walk looking at the history of the tobacco industry in Bristol, and also Bristol docks through maps. So it takes you back to the 1500s, um, you'll definitely learn something new and surprising. And then we also have a comedy history walk, it's written by Angie Belcher and it will explore all the lesser-known stories of the city and there'll be loads of funny anecdotes thrown in. We actually have a couple of different bat walks this year, so I think they're really quirky. When you take part in that walk, you'll get to hear all about different bats, why they're so brilliant, how you can find them. You might even get to use a bat detector when you head out into the night to go and look for them and you'll learn how to identify all the bats that you find. So the programme is out now. We have been distributing it around Bristol, so you'll be able to see it in libraries, in GP surgeries, leisure centres. You can pick it up all over the place. There's information in there about all the different events, the different times, the locations, and how to book. Some events do require booking, but some of them you can just turn up on the day. But all that information is in the programme. The programme is also available online, so you can have a look there, find out all the information, and there are also online booking links for some of the events, so you can register online. They'll fill up pretty quickly, so get in there and, and book early. Thanks so much to Jen, and if you want to find out more about the festival and sign up for walks, then head over to the website bristolwalkfest.com. Now, one of the walks being organised this year is with a group that hasn't been around very long, but has become hugely popular and has now hundreds of members. It was so wonderful to catch up with Sophie Brown and then later Henrietta Ferguson from the Bristol Stepping Sisters. Sophie, you're the woman behind the hugely successful Bristol Stepping Sisters and you started this a year or so ago, I think, and it's really taken off, hasn't it? Tell me what it's all about. It is since April last year. So we started off quite small during lockdown and it's just grown I think we're doing great, to be honest. I think we're doing really great. And it's, yeah, it's just wonderful that it's lifted off the way it has. So tell me, who is the group for and what do you do? Yeah, so basically it's for uh, women of colour over the age of 18 in the Bristol area. But um, saying that, we have women from, gosh, we've got Cardiff, we've got Wiltshire, you know, so a lot of more women's joined in. And basically we're just going for 
walks in the Bristol, you know, like inner city Bristol green spaces and also outside of Bristol. So we're using a, a lot of country side spaces and coastal areas. So it's became like, I say it, it's became like a, like a sisterhood now. How many members have you got, Sophie, now? Right, so we're spread over different social platforms. So we have 720 members. 720? So, I know. Wow. <laughs> yes, we, we have. I think it was 80 when I interviewed you a year ago. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, so I just, you know, we keep in touch by, I use WhatsApp, people who don't use social networking, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Messenger. So that's how women can get hold of you. Okay, nuts and bolts then. To join the group, how far do you walk and how fit do you have to be? Um, there's different levels of fitness. So you don't have to be, you know, mega fit. So there's different levels. We walk from between one mile and 20 miles. So we give women the options, you know, because we've got, we have got hikers in the group. We have got none walkers. I say that, you know, women who's not used to walking so far, but it's quite a big reward for them because some women who's come in the group, you know, it's like, oh my God, I've done seven miles. And they didn't realise how far they've actually walked until the end of the walk. Yeah, it's all different levels. And I make sure I spread the walks out to different levels and make sure the women are aware, you know, in the description what the walk is about. And what walks are you putting on for Walkfest? So Bristol Walkfest, we're doing, which we did last year, is King's Western Walk, like the King's Western House Walk which is only a mile, you know, we're walking around a mile. But I chose that walk because it's for all levels and it's flat. And then you've got the open green space, you've got the house with a cafe and you've got the lovely woodland area. And then you've got the um, beautiful views overlooking, is it Portishead and Seamills? So I just love that walk. It's, you know, and the children are coming as well to join in. So I guess it's to encourage all you women out there to join in and come on one of Sophie's walks. <laughs> yes, we need more ladies. <laughs> <laughs> the group is for women of colour. And one of the aims, I think, is to get out into our beautiful UK countryside. But how comfortable or uncomfortable do you think women of colour feel in the countryside? I think it depends. You know, obviously, most women's been out in the countryside. But I think that, like I say, the newcomers um, who hasn't had that experience they've begun to feel a lot more confident coming out. They feel openly, you know, like they, well, they speak openly. They feel safe. We have had feedback that like they feel safe. And I think it's that thing where they've made a connection with other women in the group, you know, on a personal level, on a friendship level. So, yeah, it, it's just it's just happened just like that, where they, they just feel more confident coming out. And where did you grow up, Sophie? Oh, I grew up in Chippenham, so it was like a little tiny, tiny small town between Bath and Swindon um, in the countryside. And that's all I knew as a child. I didn't know anything about a city until I actually uh, moved to Bristol. You know, that's all I knew was the countryside. So that's all I had as a childhood. Did you roam about as a child in the countryside? Were you allowed to roam free? Yes, I did. I was quite a lone child. You know, back in them days, obviously, it was a lot safer than what it is now. So I just used to roam alone. My favourite spot was the farmyard. We had a farmyard about five minutes walk from where I lived. And I spent most of my childhood at the farmyard with the farm animals. <laughs> you know, that's what I enjoyed. I just love farm animals. 
Now, I know you've got to go in a minute, but we are also joined by one of the gang, Henrietta Ferguson. Henrietta, welcome. When did you join the group and why did you? That's probably more important. So I said I saw an advert by Sophie and I didn't know at that time what the group was about. But I just thought I'd go along and sort of find out. I was a bit apprehensive about whether it was going to be too young, too old. So my first walk with the group was um, Ashton Court Lee Woods. And I really enjoyed that walk. So I just decided to continue to join as many walks as I could. I enjoy walking and I'm used to walking by myself. That's not a problem for me. But I'm used to walking just to the limited um, spaces of Bristol. But what Stepping Sisters has done is to take me beyond the boundaries of Bristol. So I get to sort of see more areas that I haven't thought about and probably wouldn't have felt safe going into alone. So that's what I enjoy about the group. So the fact that it's for women of colour, really, it really is important to you? It is important. And it's important because, for me, there's a sense of shared interest. And so the conversations are, if you like, networking, because we can learn more about each other. And it's, it's about sort of linking up with people of colour that you may or may not have met across Bristol had you not sort of integrated into that walk. So for me, yeah, I enjoy that. That's really interesting, isn't it? So it's about networking, friendships, but also getting out of the city. So it's it's that cultural connection that, that, that you feel that you can be entirely yourself, even though you're in the countryside. And what would you say to anybody who hasn't joined and has been thinking, oh, I don't know if it's for me, I'm not fit enough, or I'm not this, or I'm not that? I would say give it a try. Most of the group are really supportive. So, for example, when we walk, we're always looking out for each other and ensuring that if anyone is is a little bit slower, that someone's keeping an eye out and sort of staying behind and making sure that everyone's okay. So I think don't feel insecure about that because it is quite a supportive group and it's very structured in that Sophie is brilliant at informing you in advance your requirements, i.e. whether you need to bring a packed lunch, suitable footwear, distance, transport, times, stuff like that. It's, it's in advance and she repeatedly reminds you of that. And she uses various sites to ensure that everyone is informed. So. Don't worry. Well, maybe people could try it out with a friend, come on the King's Western Walk and see how they feel. Yeah, the King's Western Walk is particularly comfortable because it's not a long walk. And the other thing I know she does, but we didn't ask her, is that she often she often finds walks that you can get to by bus. Absolutely. That's another good thing. The, and so she's very good at structuring the time that we meet to get on the bus and 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 so far it's been absolutely brilliant everyone turns up on time and it's just fabulous I know what I want to ask you what is your favorite snack to take on a walk so so far I've been quite traditional and in and just bringing sandwiches but as the summer comes along I think I'm going to be a bit more adventurous to prepare some sort of Caribbean food in advance so yeah <laughs> And what might that look like? What might it be? Oh, it could be, I suppose, health-wise, it could be fried dumplings, which is not very um, particularly healthy. 
but um, <laughs> but it's good to take on a walk with you. So yes, it'll probably be something like that filled with something. So yeah, Aww. who knows? But it's an easy option to do a sandwich. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I'm salivating. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you. Oh, it's so great to meet up with Sophie and Henrietta from Bristol Stepping Sisters. And if you want to go on the walk, it's on the 15th of May at one o'clock, meeting at King's Western House Car Park. Now, finally, it's the turn of the guide dogs. I met up with Pat Janeka, the volunteer coordinator at the Guide Dogs Centre in Bedminster. Of course, I asked her about the walk they're putting on for the festival, but... I couldn't resist meeting the dogs themselves and finding out about the training process as well. So tell us what you're doing for Walkfest. Sure, so for Walkfest we will be promoting our My Sighted Guide roles. This is again a role that's just really community based. It's focused on a partnership between two people, so our volunteer and somebody who just needs that partner almost to help them achieve that independence whether it is going for a walk or going to the cinema um, exploring the library on the 28th of may we will be doing a two-hour session where anybody that's keen can come along learn how to guide a partially sighted person try the role out and then see if it's something that that they would like to help us with we have lots of vacancies in bristol at the moment so this is a really lovely activity for people to try out and hopefully apply and give us a hand It's just a walk that's going to be quite easy, really. We're going to be giving everybody training here at our office so that everybody knows what they're doing. So during the two-hour session, people will be walking one another. So they will be trying out their My Sighted Guide skills, but they will also be guided by somebody else whilst wearing a blindfold um, so they can really step into the shoes of the people that we support and see just how important the My Sighted Guide role really is. And there won't be any dogs available that day, will there? Because this is a My Sighted role. But we're going to have a look in a minute. We're going to go and see some of the dogs here because you just told me that dogs get trained in this building and outside. So tell me a little bit about that. How many have you got here? Gosh, so I think we've got about 15 dogs at the moment that are being trained in the Bristol office. We've got a lot more coming next month. Okay, well, I think we should go and see them, don't you? We're out in the dog training corridor, is that right? That is right, yes. So we've got several doors where we can see our dogs through them. Can we come in? Yeah, sure. Brilliant. So in here, we've got some uh, dog training pens. Oh, look. And some of our dogs relaxing before starting their training. Or perhaps they've already gone out today. And, and here they are. There's one that's really lively, isn't she? <laughs> or here. Absolutely. I think they're all really happy to see people, yeah, all the time, I think. Do you want to go on in and... Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's one that wants to talk to us. Oh, Sam. Oh, hello. And you're... Jojo. Jojo. How long has Sam been training? Only three or four weeks. So how long do you think he'll stay coming here? Uh, about six months-ish, six depending months. on dogs, yeah. So that was Jojo and Sam. And then there's a, those were two black Labradors and there's a golden Labrador in this one. He's not interested in me yeah, at he's all. Yeah. He's trying to eat something. Okay, can you, can you tell us what, what Bailey's doing? So he's got a licky mat. 
Mm-hmm. So a, lick, just, a licky mat. Yeah, a licky mat. So it's just a really soothing form of enrichment, really. Because he's just done some work, so we're just trying to sort of calm him down in his pen. They really like the licky mats, and we freeze them just so they take a bit longer for them to eat. <laughs> As we walk uh. across the corridor, we see how our dogs progress and what they go through in order to become a guide dog. So what happens after birth? Um, so our puppy raisers will be given one of our dogs when they are eight weeks old and they will have them for 12 to 16 months. Um, and that journey is really all about getting the dog ready for its training. So exposing it to all sorts of stimuli, all sorts of sounds and settling it, getting it ready for the training that takes place when they are about one and a half to two years old. Puppy raising is a really full role. Our volunteers, once they get into it, can sometimes raise 30, 40 puppies for us. It's incredible. It seems to be a very addicting role. There are also very hard parts of it. Obviously, you need to raise a puppy and then move it on across the journey. But we encourage people to to keep going, keep raising puppies for us. So as one goes, another one might come, have a completely different personality with new sets of challenges. And I think that's what our volunteers really thrive on. I bet they do. Let's move down to the next section, which is training. Yes, so after our puppy raisers have done raising our puppies, um, they are then passed on to our fosterers who take care of the dog after 5pm every single day and every weekend as the dogs usually come into our centre here in Bristol Monday to Friday and they are trained from 9am 9, 9 to 5pm to like a child would be in school learning. This is exactly what our dogs do here and the training is done inside with lots of stimuli. It's done outside. It's all about walking around curbs. Our trainers teach the dogs what kind of things they need to be looking out for, that type of thing. Are there other guide dog training centres around the country? Absolutely, yes. We have lots of centres all across the country. We're a national charity. In the southwest alone, we have four centres. So Bristol, Southampton, we have one in Cardiff and Reading as well, where we all train dogs. So at the moment, each centre has maybe 15 to 20 dogs being trained. And that probably isn't even enough, is it? No, absolutely not. We've got lots of people waiting for a guide dog. Unfortunately, because of COVID, during the first lockdown, we had to pause our breeding, which has now resumed, and we're trying to make up for the backlog. But our waiting list is quite large at the moment, and we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're training dogs with the right quality and giving them all that attention and care that they need, but also meeting the needs of people who use our services and getting them the guide dogs that they need. And then the partnership, the last bit of the corridor is all about partnership. Yeah, so once our dogs finish training, uh, like we said, they are partnered with somebody that really needs them, somebody that's blind or partially sighted. And when they are matched, that dog is, is given to somebody that needs them. Well, it says it includes height, personalities and activity levels. Yeah, so we really want to make sure that the dog meets all of the needs that a blind or partially sighted person might have, but also that they really jam together. So if the person is outgoing, we would really want to match them with somebody that is outgoing too. If somebody who wants a guide dog is particularly tall, then we need to match them with a dog that is also tall so that they're comfortable when they're walking around. It's just all of these little things. It's a little bit like dating, in fact, sometimes our guide dog trainers say. It's matching a dog with somebody that they will be with for the next 10 years possibly so it needs to be a match that is coherent and loving. Pat thank you so much for showing me around. What a treat to meet Pat and the guide dogs in training. 
It's a great organisation and well worth trying out their My Sighted Guide Walk on the 28th of May. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Bristol Walk Fest runs from the 1st to the 31st of May this year. You can find out more about the walks being organised and sign up for them by visiting bristolwalkfest.com. Bristol Walkfest is coordinated by Active Ageing Bristol, with Age UK as the lead partner and is principally funded by Bristol City Council. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.